أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. So inshallah today's surah is surah al-Duha surah number ninety-three and alhamdulillah we're getting closer to the end so inshallah we're going to be doing two surahs on a daily basis inshallah going forward. So Surah Al-Duha is a Makki Surah, 11 ayat, so they're getting shorter also. Um, the previous Surah, Surah Al-Layl, the, ad- the primary addressee was the Quraysh, the people of Quraysh, right? Uh, Allah was talking about how, you know, some people, they will be doing bukhul and some people will be giving, right? And on the other side, so the, the primary audience was Quraysh. Here, the primary audience is Rasulullah Sallallahu So it's a complete shift of uh, focus now on Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala talking to the Prophet Sallallahu And the background of the surah is basically that, you know, during the first period of the revelation, there came a time when wahi was paused for a while. Wahi stopped coming. The revelation stopped coming. And so, you know, the Prophet Sallallahu got concerned is Allah upset with me? People around him started saying, "Ha, kidare it, mara Rab, you know, chalega bas, bye bye bolga." You know, they used to make this, they used to mock these sounds. Uh, there's, uh, there's, you mock this idea, and even the wife of Abu Lahab in some narrations, Um Jamil, she used to, uh, you know, mock at him and say, "Where is your devil gone? Alas, he's abandoned you." You know, so all these hurtful words and comments used to hurt the Prophet Sallallahu and he got concerned and he got depressed and uh, questioning, you know, why is it being delayed? And so this surah is a response to that feeling. That feeling of being abandoned and the feeling of being, um, of, you know, or the fear that Allah is upset with him. Maybe he has done something wrong. Maybe he, ha- he hasn't lived up to the message. So all these concerns were there. So that's the background. And the overall theme is Allah is explaining to the Prophet ﷺ how he has favored the Prophet ﷺ. You know, so this surah is about favors, and interestingly, the next surah, Surah Al-Alam Nashrah, is also about the favors of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So the the breakdown of the surah is three sections, and interestingly, it starts off with an oath and three points of how Allah has not abandoned him and has not forsaken him and is not upset with him. Three points by Allah. Then Allah will remind him with three favors in the second section that He has given him in the past to prove that. He has not forsaken him. And finally, three things the Prophet ﷺ should do to fulfill or to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for these favors. So it's three, three, three. Three ideas to make him relax and, you know, don't worry. And then three things about the past of how Allah has favored him in the past. And then three action points for the Prophet ﷺ. Now that you know what your favors are, what should you do to, um, you know, be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to fulfill these favors. And so, uh, we'll start in Salah, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem. Wa I swear by Al-Duha. And Duha is the later part of the morning. So early part of the morning is Al-Fajr, right? Duha is a time where, before Dhuhr, you know, Dhuhr is a time of scorching sun. Very hot, very bright sun. It's a bit uncomfortable, right? The Duha part of the morning is soothing morning. So here... And you'll notice that the overall theme of the surah is all very soothing. 
Very soft words. So the overall theme is showing Allah showing the Prophet his love and that he's you know happy with him and it's a very positive and soothing uh, surah kind of like a therapy for what the Prophet was going through in, term, in terms of worry and you know torture and, and even the, the hurtful words he was saying so this is, surah is like a, a therapy for him and so Duha is also the time when people are very busy it's very lively right people going to work at 9 o'clock 10 o'clock traffic is there so two meanings here Duha actually represents revelation Quran Quran being the message that soothes people and it also has that life in it, you know, very lively. Quran is filled with messages and lives and guidance. So that's what's being resembled here. Duha is that soothing part of the Prophet's life in contrast with with the night as it creeps in, as it becomes still. Saja means to become completely still and to become completely dark. And this is the parallel for when the wahi was for a, a small period of time paused so Allah is giving the contrast between duha revelation and layl, which is the darkness of uh, misguidance right when you don't have guidance then what happens your life is filled with guidance and so here Allah is also teaching us that the, the heart that is not connected with the Quran is a heart of darkness you know you, you won't be able to see things for reality you want to see things for reality connected with the Quran I will give you nur I will give you light for you to see and so for the Prophet ﷺ, even the time of darkness is the time of, uh, subhanAllah, you know, he feels that he is um, uh, in darkness, you know, lost, you know, no guidance, nothing. So, when the night became completely lifeless and still. And here Allah is also telling us that this darkness was there for a limited period of time. Because what comes after night? Day again and duha will come again. So he's telling him, relax. And this is just part of that cycle. Day will come soon. So there's hope in this surah also. And um, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also telling us to appreciate both. Appreciate the day and the duha and its benefits. That it's soothing and relaxing. And at the same time, appreciate the night. It also has its benefit. We also need to sleep and rest also. Right? Can I have my phone please? Yeah. Battery finished. So, Allah here again is bringing the theme of pairs, right? Pairs. And we've seen, who can tell me what are the pairs we've seen? We've seen the sun and the moon as a pair. We've seen night and day as a pair. We've seen the earth and we've seen what? We've seen the earth and we've seen the sky as pairs. Remember? Because through the rain of the skies, we get life on earth. These are all beautiful pairs. Similarly, Allah is giving us two pairs here. The pair of duha and the pair of night. And so, Allah is telling us, and, and remember what I told you yesterday, that when Allah, He separates a, a certain idea into two ayat, which means what? We have to look at both separately. Look at duha separately, appreciate it separately, and then look at night and appreciate its beauty separately. And we both need, we need duha and we need night. We need night for rest and we need duha for our work. And similarly here, Allah is also telling us that these contrasts that we go through in life also emotionally, like contrast of happiness versus sadness, contrast of pain versus comfort, 
contrast of difficulty versus ease. These are necessary in our life. Nobody has co consistent happiness. Nobody has consistent pain. And you know how they say, you to re really learn patience, what do you have to go through? You have to go through difficulty, right? To learn patience, you have to go through difficulty. You will not know what patience is unless you go through difficulty. So there is some good in going through difficulty. It teaches us patience. Similarly, gratitude. When do we really feel gratitude? When the blessing is taken away from us. That's when you really value gratitude. So Allah sometimes takes things away from us to make us appreciate and, and realize what it means to be grateful and thankful and patient. So these negative things and opposites are important in our life. Then Allah says, after swearing, and you know, notice Allah swore. Why? To tell us that this is serious, the Prophet better believe what he's saying. مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى That Allah, your Rabb, Allah is telling the Prophet your Rabb has not forsaken you, has not abandoned you, neither is he upset with you. Okay? مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ means he hasn't said goodbye to you. وَدَّعَ from الْوَدَعَ means to really say goodbye to someone you love with no return, you know, like the farewell. Allah saying, I didn't say farewell to you. And he's saying, وَمَا قَلَى which means I'm not unhappy with you. I'm not displeased with you. So relax. So here, um, Allah is also saying, مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ Your master. Why did he connect the Rabb to his slave to show the closeness now in the precision of this. See how precise the word is? Rabbuka. Your master, how can he, your master forsake you? How can your master be unpleased with you? And what do we learn the meanings of master? Al-Malik, the one who owns you, the one who takes care of you. Al-Murabbi, Al-Sayyid, the one who gives you rules and restrictions for your benefit. Al-Mun'am, the one who gives you gifts. Al-Qayyim, the one who keeps you going, sustains your life. So all these meanings are reminding the Prophet ﷺ of what? Of the love and care of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his slave. So how can your Rabb forsake you? How can he say farewell to you? How can he uh, be un unsatisfied with you? And qala actually means when, you know when you were upset with someone and you don't talk to them? That's what qala means. Allah is saying, you know, I, I'm not displeased with you and I'm not going to stop talking to you. Relax. This is just part of that test. And so... Here Allah said, ما ودعك ربك وما قلا. He didn't say ما ودعك ربك وما قلاك. In the proper Arabic, it has to be وما قلاك. But قلا is a negative word, right? To be upset with someone and to not speak to them again. And so Allah honors the Prophet so much that He deleted the kaf. Just to make it general, that I am not upset and displeased. Just so the Prophet doesn't like get associated with displeasure, subhanAllah. Look at the precision of just deleting one harf in the Arabic language. And here also, qala means Allah is not displeased with, in general, displeased full stop. So you fill in the blank, displeased with the Prophet displeased with the Sahaba, displeased with us. You know, this is a message for all of us also. That you being people on the right track, Allah is not, if some hardship befalls you, someone in your family dies, someone falls sick, you lose your job, you, you know, go bankrupt in your business, you break your leg, you know. Allah is saying, مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى So even we are being addressed here. That Allah is not displeased with you. When ba bad things happen to you, that doesn't mean Allah is displeased with you. And this is something that we, unfortunately, is one of those doubts that come to people's minds, even Muslims today. That if Allah really loves me, why did my 
dad fall? Why, why did my father pass away? Why is my mother sick? Why does she have diabetes? You know? Why, why is my daughter, uh, you know, not doing well in school? And so we connect all these bad things to that Allah is not happy with me, right? Allah is saying, مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى Don't think that I'm displeased with you when harm befalls you. And we learned from previous surahs, what is the word for test, trial? It's called fitna, right, in Arabic, which means what? It's a process of purification, right, through pain. So test or, or fitna is actually when you make the gold pure. So you, the gold goes through a painful process of purification. So there is pain, but at the end of the day, it's the wisdom behind it is to purify. Then Allah says, and here, you know, most of the translation will say, and the hereafter is better for you than the first life. Okay? Which is a fair translation, but another beauty of this meaning is that what will come later is better for you than what came earlier. Okay? means what will come later is better than what came earlier. And here there is profound uh, messages also in this ayah. That Allah is telling the Prophet ﷺ that your early years, I know they were tough. And subhanAllah, when it comes to da'wah, the Prophet ﷺ, the toughest years of his da'wah were when? The early years. Why? Because he's alone. And there's a few sahaba believing him. Majority of people are discrediting him. As, you know, Hamza Radu'an accepts Islam, as Umar accepts Islam, what happens to his discomfort? It becomes easier and easier and easier, right? As people come into Islam and his crew becomes bigger, right? The sahaba become larger in size. And so Allah says, I know that your beginning was tough, but your end will be easy. And akhirah here is referring to you know, conquest of Mecca, the victory. It's referring to Jannah. It's referring to akhirah, even later on where he, the Prophet will be honored with al-maqam al-mahmud. You know about the maqam al-mahmud, right? The honorable status that Rasulullah will get on the Day of Judgment. And then it's talking about shafa'ah. It's talking about Al-Kawthar, which will come later on, Surah Al-Kawthar, you know, this amazing river of, you know, giving from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, um, you know, we also learned here that from the previous surah, Allah says, فَلَقْتَحَمَ الْعَقَبَةِ Right? Aqaba, that's tough path. The tough path in the beginning is difficult, and what happens to it later on? Becomes easy for the believer. Who makes it easy? Allah makes it easy. When يَسِّرُهُ لِلْيُسْرَى Right? فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْيُسْرَى And in Surah Al-A'la وَنُيَسِّرُكَ لِلْيُسْرَى SubhanAllah So, you see how it's repeated? We'll make it easy for you, but with time. And, يعني, it requires patience. Just have to hang in there. Here also, we're learning that um, part of خَيْرٌ لَكَ وَلَلْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِلْأُولَى is the people who will come into Islam after you will be in the multitudes. How many Muslims today in the world? More than a billion, right? All following his sunnah. So every single sunnah, think of it this way, every sunnah act that you actually do, who's getting the reward for it? It's all sadaqah jari on his account. SubhanAllah. Every sunnah that's allowed. And then Allah says, وَلَا سَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى So we've seen how many favors now. Previously was first ما ودعك ربك وما قلا. Second favor ولا الآخرة خير لك من الأولى. And the third favor is ولا سوف يعطيك ربك فترضى. And indeed, there's no doubt about it. 
Allah will give you Your master will indeed give you But the word sawfa here means after a while Not immediately And you will be satisfied Okay, Indeed your master will give you in a bit But your shuri will be satisfied فترضى. And you know the word يُعْطِيكَ reminds us of yesterday, right? وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ Remember? فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى The one who gave and had taqwa And Allah said at the end of the surah what? وَلَسَوْفَ يَرْضَى He will be satisfied Both those ideas are combined in this ayah وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى It's like a summary of the entire surah yesterday Allah will give you most definitely in a bit And you will be satisfied You will be content and so here we're also learning that um, the concept of i'ta, what is Allah going to give? Remember we said the difference between a'ta and a'ta, right? A'ta is heavy, it's a lot, it's an abundance, and ita is a little bit. So Allah didn't say, well, so yu'tika rabbuka, no, yu'tika. And you know, interestingly, when Allah talks about giving kingdom to the people, He says to, to like human beings, He says, yu'ti, يؤتي ملكه أو تؤتي الملك من تشاء تؤتي الملك من تشاء وتعز من تشاء وتذل من تشاء. So what did he call the kingdoms of the world? He said تؤتي. It's nothing. It's you're getting kingdom little bit يعني. <laughs> but إن أعطيناك الكوثر. When it came to كوثر أعطيناك الكوثر. So beautiful uh, usage of words here. وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى Interesting, in the previous surah, Allah said, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى The taqi who gives, what will his end be? وَلَسَوْفَ يَرْضَى Here Allah is saying the opposite. Allah gave you so you can be satisfied with Allah. It's a reverse, subhanAllah. Right? There the, the human being gave and Allah was happy with him. Here Allah is saying, I gave so you can be happy. It's like, other side of the coin and um, here you know the concept of um, like I told you patience and there's two ways of saying he will give you soon there's or just look at the letters right sofa is three letters sa is one letter what makes you think that what what do you think is more sooner it's just one letter, so quickly it's going to come. Allah said, وَلَا سَوْفَ يَعْطِيكَ But He said, لَا لَا means لَا مِتَّوْكِيدٍ For sure He will give you, but not soon. Not too soon, يعني. You know? It's going to take some time. It's going to take 23 years, يعني. So don't expect results quickly. It's going to come quickly, but not too quickly, وَلَا سَوْفَ يَعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى Then, now, all these three, um, you know, messages that Allah wanted to give the Prophet to make him relax. Now that he's relaxed, now he's moving on to the next, second part of the surah, which is the three past favors. What were the three past favors? Alam Didn't he find you an orphan and then he gave you shelter? He's reminding him of his youth, you know, because we know that the Prophet his father died at while well, he was a, like, you know, pretty much he never met his father, right? His father died before he was even born or something like that, right? Yeah. So, he was born yatim. 
but who gave him shelter? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving him shelter. So Allah's, you know, reminding him. And awa here means to give shelter to um, someone who's in danger or someone like who's as a guest coming, you know. Give him ma'wa from shelter in danger. Allah's saying, I gave you shelter. And here Allah's, you know, the theme of yatim is going to be repeated twice in this surah. Even later on, Allah will say, you know, uh, So yatim is mentioned twice. In this, in this short surah, why to remind us of the previous lessons? Yatim. You know, you were yatim. How do you fulfill this great, how do you become grateful? Allah just reminded him, you are yatim. Therefore, to be grateful, what do you have to do? Feed the yatim. Take care of the yatim now. You know, I was grateful to you. You be grateful to others. Then Allah will say, and he found you ضالن. I won't translate it as lost Unfortunately a lot of dictionary or A lot of translations say lost then. Uh, He found you ضالن, And he guided you Okay. So how does the Prophet Have to pay back Or, or be, show his gratefulness to this favor By guiding others By sharing the guidance with others You see So it's going to come later on also So now this concept of in the previous surah, we learned Inna alayna lalhuda. Allah said, "It is upon me to guide." Right? But here, we have to be very careful with using uh, with the language you use in terms of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, uh, you know, and His respect for the Prophet and our respect for the Prophet Sometimes, you know, we just respectfully maybe understand it as saying that the Prophet Muhammad was lost, yani. he was misguided. But that's not what Allah is trying to say here. But dalan here means, and this you won't find in translation, is that the Prophet ﷺ was searching for the truth. And remember his, his habit of going to Ghar Hira and just pondering and thinking and questioning. He wanted to help these people, right? He saw shirk happening. He knew it was wrong. Bilfitra, right? And we learn Abu Bakr Siddiq was like that also. He never worshipped an idol. So the Prophet ﷺ was worried. And he, was he had this concern. He had this search for the truth. He had this hunger in him. And so that's what Allah is saying here is ضالن, That he was searching, couldn't find the truth. But then who ultimately gave him the truth? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to be very careful how we talk about the Prophet ﷺ and what words we use. Unfortunately, you know, we live in the times of like casual language and slang language and so sometimes unintentionally we might say something about the Prophet that actually is disrespectful, you know. Even the way we we talk about his hadith and you know, like back in the days people used to respect even like hadith, the ulama, they wouldn't even mention a hadith standing. You would sit and then say the hadith, just out of respect for concept of sunnah and hadith yeah. nowadays we're playing foot basketball and soccer and we throw a hadith here hadith there you know so here yani, we need to remember that you know the rasul has a very special status and we need to honor that yani, very important and so um, then Allah says okay so what were the three favors now from the past first that he was a yatim and Allah gave him shelter Second favor was what? That he was kind of searching for the truth and Allah gave him the truth. And then the third favor here is 
And he found you someone who was um, in need of financial stability. Therefore, he gave you wealth. And in the previous surahs, we've learned how right? The one who was greedy and he felt that he was financially independent in the sense of I don't need uh, anyone to help me out. I don't need Rasulullah's guidance. I don't need the Quran. I don't need to pray. Praying is for the poor people. I'm ghani. This is what the you know, wretched person did. This is the one who had the corrupt uh, you know, heart. That's what he said. But what is the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Al-ghani. The one who is free from need. Here what Allah is saying is, He found the Prophet ﷺ Now, عائلن is a beautiful word here, which means from, uh, from عيل, which means to, to have the need to take care of your family. And the word for family in the Arabic language is عائلة. عائلة. Okay? And the word for children is عيال. The word for children is عيال. So عائلة, عيال. So uh, what we're learning here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Prophet ﷺ the financial stability to be able to take care of his family and his children. And we talked about this briefly yesterday. The fact that the Prophet ﷺ had 13 wives, 7 children, 5 housemaids. You know, he had to run a house and have to take care of guests. And so how did Allah give him this, this wealth? We learned that you know, his, his habits of trade, the other thing, inheritance. Okay, I forgot to mention this yesterday. The Prophet ﷺ is known to have inherited prime property near the Kaaba from his mother. So, and you know, prime property in the Kaaba. Do you know that today the most expensive real estate in the world is Mecca, the vicinities of Mecca, by like by square foot. If you if you compare this to like even cities like New York, one of the most expensive real estate in the world. And so, imagine the Prophet ﷺ inheriting a prime property near the Kaaba. So it's like you know uh, the clock tower now. Yeah, that's prime property, right? You have Kaaba view. He had a property that close to the Kaaba. And so he, he inherited a lot of money. And third source of income was the wars, the spoils of war, the war booties. We learned from one narration that in w just one of the battles, the amount of sheep and spoils of war, you know, you know what spoils are, right? When the Muslims go to, f go to battle and they defeat the enemy and then they, all the assets of the enemy get distributed to the Muslims and the Prophet ﷺ has a share of this also. So in one narration, in just one uh, one battle, the Prophet ﷺ inherited so much sheep and cattle, basically, that it covered the, the entire distance between two mountains. Yeah. So I mean, the Prophet ﷺ was he was uh, loaded, and of course, in that narration, uh, the Prophet ﷺ actually this all these spoils he he gave away, yeah. but that doesn't mean he wasn't wealthy. You know, so Allah is saying that He took care of him, and we know that financial independence is the dream of every every man, right? Not having to go to work, not having to like uh, report to anyone, having enough money to pay off your bills so that you can do what you enjoy, right? People of da'wah, this is their dream also. That I wish I had enough like property that would generate income to pay my bills so I can be full time dry and to read Quran and study and spend quality time and do what I like to do, my hobbies. Yani. So financial independence is the dream of every man. Of course, absolutely, yeah. And here uh, we're learning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being a Rabb, the caretaker of the Prophet took care of his financial stability.
so that he could focus on his mission. He doesn't have to worry about bills, about you know paying the rent, about you know the next mortgage payment and nothing. But عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى free of need. So فَأَمَّ الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرْ And by the way, it's, it's good for you to make this du'a. Make this du'a, yani, that, Ya Allah, I want financial independence. This should be like the, one of the top du'as. Yani. After guidance, Ya Allah, financial independence. Why not? Allah gave it to the Prophet can't He give it to you? Of course He can. Right? Of course, for the right intentions, not financial independence, Ya Allah, so I can you know, just buy the Ferraris and the Bentleys and enjoy and travel. Of course, that's all halal. But I'm saying, what's your intention for becoming financially stable? Right? Is it so you can play five hours of golf every day? Right? Is it for you to just watch movies all day and blow your money and that's it? No. There has to be a bigger, higher purpose. So, let's just do a quick recap. Allah says, مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَا وَلَا الْآخِرَةُ خَيْنٌ لَكَ مِنْ الْأُولَى وَلَا سَوْفَ يَعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى These were the three things to comfort the Prophet ﷺ. Then he gave him three, in part two was, three things from the past. أَلَمْ يَجِدْكَ يَتِيمًا فَأَوَى This is a question. Didn't he find you an orphan and he gave you shelter? وَوَدَدَكَ ضَالًّا فَهَدَى And he found you searching for a tooth and he gave you this tooth. And then وَوَدَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى These are all questions actually. Questions to which the answers are known, right? Of course, of course is the answer. And he found you, you know, عَائِلًا uh, And he found you in need and he gave you enough wealth to make you stable. So now that these favors are mentioned from the present and the past, now it's time for Rasulullah to fulfill his uh, or show his gratefulness. How do you show your thanks? Like in the example I gave you of the, the father who gave a car as a gift to his child, right? How does the child have to show his thanks to his father? By fulfilling or obeying his small rules, right? Wear the seatbelt, don't speed, you know, watch the road and yani, take care of the car and all these things. So what are the three things now? Number one. As for the yatim, as for the orphan, don't do qahar to him. And qahar here means to overpower and humiliate. Qahar. And this is one of the names of Allah, al-qahar, right? The one who overpowers us. The, the one who overpowers us, whether we like it or not. We have no question. And we, we can't any, ask Allah for some discount. No, when Allah decides something, when someone in your family, it's written for him to die, he's going to die. You know, Allah won't say, name, you know, my slave, he's going to cry, no, let me stop. No, Allah, some things, he's al-qahar. This is part of his qualities. Okay? And so, Allah's teaching us the adab and the manners of dealing with the weak here. Okay? And he's telling the Prophet ﷺ, but we have to learn these things also, right? Taking care of the yatim in the sense of honoring him and not disrespecting them. Because we learn in the, in the next surah that's coming up, inshallah, later on, um, that The one who lies for this deen What does he do? The one who pushes aggressively the yatim Not only is he disrespecting him with words What's he doing physically? Pushing him hard And who? The yatim The, the weakest of society Subhanallah this is what takdib al-deen does to you. And we'll, we'll talk about it when we reach there. This is Surah Al-Ma'un. But when your heart is corrupt, then you do these messed up actions, right? With the weak, subhanAllah. So here Allah is saying, فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرْ And don't, you know, humiliate the yatim. 
don't don't overpower him and humiliate him and um, you know Allah said that as for the one who asks don't again Allah is talking about akhlaq here don't do nahar don't repel him don't resist him okay and we'll talk about this in detail now so as for the one who asks asks what that's the first question as for the one who asks Ask any sort of question from you, Ya, ya Rasulullah, because you're the teacher, right? So any question someone asks you, don't repel him. Don't push him away. Okay? Uh, another thing here, sa'il could be someone who asks for money. The one who comes and asks for money, don't push him back. Another, one, another point here is the one who asks for guidance. Remember Surah Abasa, right? The blind man came for guidance. Allah is saying, don't push people back. And the word used for pushing is nahar. Fala tanhar, which comes from rivers. And a river that's pretty much forcefully gushing. Okay? Continuously gushing forth and there's pressure. And so the one who does nahar is the one who constantly annoys someone and, and repels them and pushes them back repetitively. You know? And Allah talk, tells us about parents also. Fala tanharhuma. Don't do this, this attitude of pushing them back and annoying them consistently. Don't do this with your parents. Allah here is telling the Prophet don't do this with anyone who comes and asks you for something. So don't insult, don't annoy, don't ask you know, insulting questions and give insulting comments. You know? So here we're learning about akhlaq. The Prophet of course, Allah subhanahu wa says, You are the best of manners. Yani. Best of creation, best of manners. And the Prophet ﷺ has told us in a hadith, I have been sent to fulfill and complete all the amazing characteristics and akhlaq and qualities and manners and morals. So what do we learn from this hadith? That the Prophet ﷺ, his primary objective of being sent was what? Akhlaq. And where do we stand nowadays in terms of akhlaq? Where do Muslims stand in terms of akhlaq? Most of the focus is on ibadah, right? Salah, zakat, hajj, you know, fasting, that's it. Some people even during fasting, they have masked up akhlaq. During fasting, you see people on the road, how they're driving. You know, I told you about the story of the women fighting in Ramadan, right? So akhlaq, even Ramadan, messed up akhlaq, subhanAllah. And so here Allah is teaching us a, a fundamental concept that Allah is talking to the Prophet ﷺ, right? And He's telling us how perfect Allah wants the Prophet's qualities to be. But aren't these lessons for us also? Of course, right? Someone comes and asks you a question, you know, you better respect them. And you know, here also a very important point. We, we live in times nowadays where there's a lot of people who have atheist ideas and atheist-like questions, right? And atheism is growing, even in the Muslim world, Arab world. Very big problem, okay? The question is, someone who is an atheist, he has doubts in his mind, right? He has questions that aren't being answered, correct or no? So that now, if an atheist comes to you asking questions about God, but he is seeking the truth, right? If you say, astaghfirullah, how dare you ask that question? Go and make tawbah, man, or else, you know, you're out of Islam, you're going to hell. If you respond this way, are you solving the problem or are you making it bigger? You're making it bigger, right? 
So we should even messed up questions like that. Uh, sometimes we'd never think of, right? That atheists would have. We need to be accommodating to them. We need to be respectful to them and show them mercy. You can't, you can't just push them off and say, you're kafir, you're going to hell, and how dare you ask that question, that's so disrespectful. No. We live in times when these questions need to be answered. And you know, most people who, who resist such people with uh, negative comments and push them back, you know why they do that? Because they don't know the answers. So it's easy to give fatwa, you're kafir, you're this. But Allah wants us to be people who are educated and people who can answer these questions. And in these times, we have to answer these questions. All these doubts to clarify them. Only then when you, you tell them, okay, now read Salah and Quran. First, clear the doubts. There's no point giving da'wah to someone about Salah and Quran if he has doubts in his mind. The first thing, these misconceptions that are there in the youth and in the you know, forums online and on YouTube, you have so much like, uh, questions and valid questions. Didn't the angels ask Allah a question? The angels asked Allah, why are you creating Adam? Now, you, if you just look at it black and white, it's a disrespectful thing to do, right? Questioning Allah's creation. But did Allah say, Astaghfirullah, how did you angels question my wisdom? No. He answered and he explained practically. Even Ibrahim alayhi salam, we learned that, you know, he asked Allah, Arini, kayfa mawta? Show me how do you bring the, the dead back to life? Now imagine if someone goes to Imam Sahib today and says, Ya Imam Sahib, show me, does really Allah bring the dead back to life? What will the Imam say? You know? How dare you ask that question? You have doubts in this? You have doubts in Akhirah? You're murtad, you're khalas, out of Islam. This is arkan of Islam. But did Allah, what did, how did Allah respond to Ibrahim Isa? He told him, fine, go to the mountain. Take a bird and place them on, you know, different parts. And he practically explained to him the lesson. SubhanAllah. So, you know, the Quran is filled with these, these questions and these, uh, yani, there's no problem in asking these questions as long as you have that respect. And yani, you're not asking disrespectfully, you know. And this is what we learn from the angels. They asked, but they weren't being sarcastic. Ma'adallah, right? They had a genuine question. And Allah addressed it. But, you know, some people, they come with questions and they're sarcastic. That's, that's what we should stop. Yani. If you have a genuine question, you're really searching for the truth, then fine, come. And we should be able to answer. And the Quran does answer. But why can't we answer? Because we don't know what the Quran is saying. We're disconnected from the Quran. Okay? So, um, even when it comes to questions about the youth, you know, like, you know, yeah, alhamdulillah, I get exposed to some questions sometimes from the youth that may be like very shameful. Some people ask like really weird questions, yeah, you know, about like girlfriend and drugs and this and that. And, and this stuff, I have to be accommodating to them. You know, I can't say astaghfirullah and no, how dare you ask this question? You're smoking drugs? You have a girlfriend? If I react like that, what's going to happen? They're going to run away and they're not going to come back to me. Yeah. And similarly with the Prophet you know, if the Prophet was rough and tough with them and you know, angry and 
ولو كنت فضا غليظ القلب لنفضوا من حولك if you were tough and you didn't have this mercy they would the sahaba would run away from you this is allah saying in the quran so to be accommodating this is a, you know a khuluq that we need to all really strive to have being accommodating and being people of mercy and then finally what's the last thing the prophet sallallahu should do so f- taking care of the yatim not pushing away people who ask and lastly وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ ask for the favors of ask for the favor of Allah he said ni'ma he didn't say ni'am multiple ni'am ni'ma wahda why? Allah is summarizing all the, these ni'ams into one ni'ma وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ ask for the favor of your master فَحَدِّثْ proclaim it talk about it okay so what is the favor? يعني there's a lot of different differences of opinion. Some say this is Jannah. Some say this is, you know, the mention of the Prophet Sallam. The fact that he's, he's elevated and we learn the next surah. وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ Right? We have elevated your remembrance. How his remembrance is in every adhan we remember him. In every salah, you know, when we do tashahad we remember him. In every, um, you know, every country when there's an adhan going on. Like it's non-stop dhikr of the Prophet Sallam. If you look at it geographically, one adhan is happening here, next is happening in the next city, in the next city, in the next city. If you look at the entire globe, if you look at a 24-hour span, the Prophet's mention is there every single second of every minute of every day, of every hour, every year, forever. Yani. It's going on. Some say this is maqam and mahmuda. Some say this is the shafa'ah that the Prophet will have. Some say this is the al-kawthar. So there's a lot of different opinions. But the idea here is, fahaddith, the blessings of Allah, proclaim them. And fahaddith is beautiful here because, number one, it talks about speaking up about the favors of Allah. Not speaking of the trials and tests you're going through. You see the opposite lesson here? Talk about positive things. Talk about favors of Allah on you. Remind people of the favors of Allah. You know, in, in times when everyone's complaining. Because this, remember, we said in Surah Al-Fatiha, this is the key to the Qur'an. Being grateful and appreciative, right? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. That's the first lesson that Allah wants us to learn. Before even opening the Qur'an. Be grateful and be thankful. So how do we become grateful and thankful? When someone reminds us of what? Of the favors. And if you remember Surah Al-Fatiha, I spent like an hour doing what? Basically reminding myself and everybody listening of the favors of Allah on us and how forgetful we are and how ungrateful we are and we complain. So Allah hears the final teaching here. Allah is telling the Prophet and telling us, remind people of the favors of Allah. Fahaddith here means speak up about the favors of Allah, the favors that He has given you. Don't be shy to tell people about the favors Allah has given you. This is inspiring to some people, by the way. When you talk about the favors Allah has given you, this inspires others. Wow. Islam also comes with favors? I didn't know that. You know? And even dunya favors, like if Allah has blessed you with like a nice job, a nice car, a nice wife, beautiful children, good education. Talk about this. Don't be shy and say in front of people openly, bluntly, say that this is the favors of Allah. Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed me with this. So people then can associate deen with favors in dunya also. Unfortunately, what do we do? We don't talk about these na'mah. What do we talk about? Punishment and the hellfire and hur al-ayn and drinks of Jannah. And we, only think about, we only make people think about blessings of Akhirah. And because people are, like we said, Instagram generation, right? They want instant results. That talk is not appealing to them. 
it's not attractive to them, and therefore they're not interested. But when you say, no, 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 there's na'ams of Allah, favors of Allah in dunya that you will get once you accept His guidance, then that's, wow, you know, it's attractive, it's appealing, and so people will, will accept that. So speak up about the na'ams of Allah openly. Number two, teach the stuff. Fahadith also means to teach it. And hadith means, to remember from hadith, something new. Why? Because sometimes we forget something and Allah is saying, we need to refresh this in your mind. The blessings of children, the blessings of guidance, the blessing that you're a Muslim, the blessing that I've given you the Quran, the blessing that you have access to a masjid and you have air conditioning and all these blessings, we need to do tahadith. Tahadith means to update, you know, refresh, renew your remembrance of these blessings. Why? Because we forget. It goes in the back burner. It goes in our unconscious mind and we become unappreciative. We become people who complain. So fahadith. So teach, speak up about it. Share this stuff. In the, in the age of social media, share the blessings that Allah has given you with your friends on Facebook or whatever. Remind people of these favors. Remind people to be thankful. This is the key to iman. When, when someone realizes that someone is doing him a favor, that Allah is doing a favor, then they will feel ashamed and they will want to get closer to him and, and ask the question, Ya Allah, how can I thank you? And then Allah will say, Ya Kanabudu, we'll say, Ya Kanabud, Ya Kanastain, then Allah will say, guidance. This is how you thank me, follow my guidance. And so, Fahadith, Amma bina'mati rabbika Fahadith, Hadith who? Proclaim to who? Talk to who? Allah kept it blank. Which means what? Anyone, anyone, Muslim, non-Muslim, young, old, you know, even children, we need to talk to them about these blessings. Allah didn't limit it to certain people. He didn't say, Hadith al-Mu'mineen. Hadith, full stop. Anyone, yani, anyone who comes your way. A driver, someone cleaning the garbage, a waiter. You never know where guidance comes. You never know where Allah puts guidance in someone's heart. So just keep proclaiming and, and sharing the positive side of Islam. Unfortunately, <coughs> because of the attacks that Islam keeps getting nowadays from media and online and stuff, what do we get busy doing? Defending Islam. Islam is not a terrorist religion. Islam is not suppressive to women. Islam is not about blowing yourself up. We keep saying what Islam is not. What are we not saying? What Islam is. You know? And so people have heard enough what Islam is not, but they still don't know what Islam is. We haven't done a, the right job to tell them what Islam really is. So this is what this ayah is about. Remind even the atheist, even the kafir, remind him of the favors that Allah has given out to him. You never know. You know? Just keep reminding, reminding. Fahadith just keeps talking about it. Non-stop. You know? So inshallah with this uh, we conclude this beautiful surah and we'll learn that Alam uh, Nashrah, the next surah, will be a, really a pair of this surah and, and how the theme there will also be favors of Allah. So we'll continue that inshallah in the next surah. Jazakumullahu khairan, subhanakallahu bihamdik, nashadun la ilaha illa ant, nasafurika wa antubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.